1: Hola amigos, this is Ray Hudson from BN Sports and Sirius XMFC and you are listening to Barca Talk. Today on Barca Talk, three assists from Lionel Messi set up goals for Frankie de Jong, Sergio Busquets and Clement Longley in a 3-2 victory against Real Betis. Barcelona remains only three points behind Real Madrid in the title race for La Liga Hello and welcome to Barca Talk. I'm Brian Henderson, your host in Buffalo, New York. Joining me from Madrid is my co-host and your tactical analyst, Gabriel Quiroga. Gabriel, how's it going, my friend? Brian, Brian, my Barca brother from another mother. I'm doing well, man. I'm doing well. You're doing better than you've been doing in a while. Correct.
0: And also, you know, today was like Super Domingo here in La Liga because I watched four matches today. I haven't watched that many matches in a long time. And all of them, from the beginning of the Basque Derby all the way to the ending of tonight, all really good games, really entertaining. And it just further emphasized my love of La Liga, you know, because it was just really entertaining, good football all around.
1: Yeah, this Sunday was stacked with good games, Mm -hmm. ending with something of a nail-biter for for Barcelona at Real Betis. There weren't many times where I didn't think they'd come back, but there were those moments. I mean, we are... We talked about this when Setien got
0: hired that we thought we were going to have more of these type of matches, you know, these offensive kind of matches where there's no defense. And this is the first one that's happened since under Setien, I would say, where, you know, it's just back and forth. And luckily, we were able to capitalize and get the three points because, again, Madrid did not falter today.
1: No, they did not. But as far as the Barcelona game, you know, the two goals that they did give up, they weren't really attributable to poor defending. (laughs) aside from giving up a penalty yeah 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 (laughs) exactly
0: well that's you know that was a fluky play because you know we'll talk about that but that was more of a fluky play but more importantly we got the three points and again it was an entertaining match i mean this is the type of football i think we're going to see more often than not for the rest of the season
1: i hope so because this was the best game of the season so far for barcelona yeah i would agree for Uh, my yeah for my money i would agree too i would agree so let's get into the show uh real quick gerard pique he was not on the squad for sunday's match with betis but that was because he was suspended after the copa del rey exit to athletic club pique was speaking in the mix zone and told reporters that the injury he uh, sustained the reason he left that match uh, is nothing serious It's nothing to worry about, and there has been no news that he's going to be out for an extended period of time. He said it was just an overload, so not a big deal if you were wondering about that. Now, for us here on the show, we picked up a couple more supporting members over the weekend, so thank you for showing us that you like the show enough to support it to those few people. Thank you. For the rest of you, thanks for listening, but you know, we also need you to throw a little money our way to let us know that you want the show to continue. So follow that link that's right at the top of the details for the episode to visit our support page. You can choose from a monthly membership on Patreon for $2, 5 or $8 a month, or you can make a one-time donation where you don't have to sign up for anything. Now, all of our members, they get a customized podcast feed where they can hear uh, exclusive content. So we're going to shift over to a members-only segment where we're going to talk about the four strikers who could potentially be signed to replace Dembele. For everyone, though... Let's talk about this Copa del Rey format and the upcoming games ahead of Napoli uh, because Barcelona have not been knocked out of the Copa del Rey as early as they were last week since 2010. So this new format has really made the tournament more of a showcase for smaller clubs. We have now Real Sociedad Athletic Club, Granada, and Mirandes, a second division team in the semifinals.
0: Yeah, I mean, here it's been electric, you know. Uh, Mirandes has been the kind of poster boy of this tournament, you know, they've been, they beat Sevilla. They are the poster boy of this tournament just because they're giving the small teams a shot. And I really do like the format. I like the format that they have a drawing, um, you know, for the location. And then leading up to this was the lower team division getting the home field. And I think it just creates a better ambiance because. Those teams love this competition. You know, imagine, you know, with with uh, Barcelona playing their early matches at the Camp Nou, it's going to be half filled. People are not that interested. But if you play against the second segunda team or something like this, the the stadium's going to be super packed, way better ambiance, and it's more pressure for these big clubs, especially since it's one and done.
1: Yeah, and so the, and that home field advantage for the smaller club really works in their favor. So you get these great upsets.
0: Exactly, and and you know, I, I saw the highlights of the the Sociedad Real Madrid match I mean Sociedad was on fire I really love the way they play I watched them today and I think it's going to be a Basque final that's just um, that's just my my inclination. but now with this semi there's a home and away and it's funny because with this new format a lot of fans don't know that and it was funny after the Madrid game the news was like asking people they're like oh what would you think of the game they're like "Ah, it's fine we'll get them on the next game <laughs> and they're going like, no, 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 it's just a one and done. And like, when did that happen? Like this year. And so, you know, yeah. everyone's still kind of getting used to this one and done because you always had the home and away where you can try to bounce back. But now, I think as you know, we we went through this with this MMS. It's just you. The consequences are more severe now, and I just think it brings the pressure up even more.
1: Yeah, one of our listeners actually was informing me after listening to a, an earlier episode that a lot of times the reason that, for instance, the camp new is not that full for the home game that we recently had in Copa del Rey was because people didn't even know that the game was happening because it was scheduled so last minute yeah and so then people don't even know what's going on and he described it as uh, you know being organized in a very Spanish way of course of course yes <laughs> <laughs> and in, even though uh, Rubiales has said that the new format has been a, a success and From over here looking in, I tend to agree with him. There's clearly a large portion of the uh, Spanish population that that has not been fully educated on what's going on with the tournament this year.
0: Yeah, and especially
1: since, you know, on
0: Thursday that we got knocked out, Dimitri got knocked out, people thought it was going to lose the luster, but I think the opposite. I think four new teams into this, and it gives, you know, this is like the underdog story of Mirandes, right? So I think that's really cool. But more importantly now with... Just this format, I just think it's really cool. It gives these smaller teams a bigger forum to have these big pressure games and play against big star teams like Madrid and Barcelona. So I think it's a really cool format now. I think, like I said, I really like the single elimination because it just brings that pressure even more. And I think you're just going to see in the future... More of these big teams not make it all the way to the final because of their competitions in Champions League, so forth.
1: And there's a a monetary benefit for those smaller clubs, especially because, you know, here in the States, ESPN is going to be covering this tournament. And Mirandez is going to be able to take advantage of that. That's, like, money they probably have never seen. Exactly. And Even if not a lot of people watch it.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's true. But, again, here in Spain, people are loving it for from the, from the most part. And, you know, the news has captured it. And the, what what they've been doing as well is they've been going to these small stadiums and interviewing people, finding, like, stories of lifelong fans and, you know, following them to the game and, and getting their point of view of watching their local team against these big boy teams and how they're going through. And I think that's always a really cool story because, you know, if you're from a small town, you never dreamed that your team is going to knock off these giants, you know, for example, like me on this and all of a sudden they're in the semifinal, of the Copa del Rey, which is a huge thing, you know? And so I really appreciate that. And like I said, I really enjoy the new format. I just think it's, it's just really kind of increased, um, you know, these lower teams to give them a better shot at going further.
1: Now, Barca's exit from the Copa del Rey does free them up during the week, a lot of times, to train and prepare for the Champions League against Napoli in a few weeks. They're going to face Getafe, then Ibar in La Liga between now and then. Is less frequent demand on these players a, a sort of silver lining we can take from the Copa del Rey knockout? Definitely. Most definitely.
0: I think it would have been more devastating. I don't know devastating. That's too strong of a word. <laughs> That if we went through the semifinal and we lost in the semifinal, right? Because it's two games. I think, you know, since we lost in the MMS, I think it's a respectable, you know, uh, place to lose, and it kind of it's okay. And like you said, we we don't play till next Saturday, so we have more training time to rest because right now we just need more than anything than training, we need rest, and especially for you know these these players are going to have overloaded injuries because Messi's not going to get a free minute, you know. No. PK is going to come back and he's not going to get a free minute. So we need to really use that. I'm really glad, for example, tonight that Junior Furpo got the start. You know, I think that, you know, getting more rotation of these players because that's going to really benefit, you know, the longevity of our team for this season.
1: Yeah, especially with how thin the squad is at this point. A little more rest is ultimately going to help us. And, you know, we, we got the win today. So we're still only three points behind Real Madrid, and even though you've said that it could already be over, it's mathematically not. I know. And if they keep moving in the trajectory they are, they could still win La Liga at least. Yeah, for sure. I I just think La Liga is
0: just it's going to be complicated, man. I just (laughs) you know today watching Madrid Osasuna, you know Osasuna went one nothing, and then Madrid scored four to four. Answer. I just think they're more resourceful than us when it comes to these nail-biting games and they're more primed for this under Zizou, then, you know, I think if we had Kike from the beginning of the season, I think it would have been a different picture, obviously. For example, tonight where we went down one nothing, we just have no margin of error. So I just, that's my feeling. But again, I think in the long run for the rest of the season, it's better that we got eliminated from the Copa del Rey.
1: Because like I said, we have Hatafe, then Ibar, then first leg against Napoli, followed by the Classico. So there is still a chance for some rest, some extra training, and for Setien to continue putting his stamp on the team a little bit more. I think we could win that Classico. I definitely think so. I I mean, if we continue
0: to ramp up how we played tonight and we continue to come together a little bit stronger, then yes, obviously we can can beat them in the Classico. But I still need to see a bit more. You know, it's still only four or five games, and I've already seen... 25 already from the from the previous you know uh from the same guys you know so it's funny because yesterday in the training uh there was video of setian running the guys blindfolded for like trust you know like you know and it was just funny (laughs) so exactly so setian's just throwing everything at this team to try to get them to communicate better to trust each other and i think that's going to go Uh, for some you know for a while I think and you know hopefully in the summer he'll get his own transfers and players in things can change so quick Brian you know we 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 talk about that last week was like the final week of 28 days of chaos in Barcelona and
1: maybe the next 28 is just peace (laughs) (laughs) well we hope yeah we can hope because after the last 28 days I think we could all use a little bit of that but let's get into this win over real betis this was match day 23 in la liga at the benito vilaminin with a 3 to 2 win for barcelona and uh, carlos Alenia was starting for betis played all 90 minutes actually so glad to see him playing even if it wasn't for barca and you know we've seen a lot of things already from setien we've seen his three back system we've seen a 442 and they've continued to we've seen the return to the 433 and so we continue to see them trying different things. What did we see in this match tactically? Yeah,
0: it was interesting because when we started uh the game, you know, they were showing the lineup on the TV and it was a 4-3-3. And then when I was watching the game, the commentator noticed because obviously we can't see the whole wide angle. So the commentator was saying it's like it looks like when they're on offense it's like a false 9 with Messi. But then when I was looking at other things, it just looks like it was a 4-3-3 but it had Griezmann and Messi at the top with Vidal behind them as support. And you saw that because in the first 30 minutes or so, Vidal was doing really great on pressuring the ball. So I think that was a really good wrinkle because since Messi's not going to run on defense, might as well put someone who will, right? And that's Vidal sure. for sure. And I think Definitely. Vidal was a little bit more disciplined. He did have a lot of uh fallos, as I would say in Spanish, like a lot of mistakes today. Mm-hmm. But one aspect he did bring was that energy. And again, so we're going back to this 4-3-3 and... You know, it's basically pick your poison, Brian, because if we're in this 4-3-3, we have a lot of spacing gaps that are going to be exposed. And we saw that happen today. If we flood the midfield with five, we don't have enough attacking prowess up at the top because we have Griezmann and Messi, but they're just not working together as well. And with the lack of pressuring of Messi, we're basically playing a man down at the top on defense. So, again, it's really kind of what would you rather have, you know, uh, more balance at top? But giving those spaces on the counters or trying to flood the midfield, but then we're going to struggle score.
1: Well, and speaking of scoring, it was a real tennis match of scoring. First, Betis, Barcelona return. Betis go ahead. Barcelona equalizes again. That was the story of the first half. So it started early on with Betis going ahead. Long leg, gave up a penalty in the fourth minute and got booked for handling the ball in the box. Yeah, I mean
0: this is this is fluky because the way his hand position was and the cross came in, so you can't really blame him for that for that handball because it wasn't like a true handball in the sense.
1: Uh, but you know what's funny? I but, had to, but now it just doesn't matter exactly um, by the rules whether there's any indication of intent or what. Yeah, and what I meant more, you know, when
0: we talked in the beginning was that you know our defense led directly to these goals, and In this situation it didn't. It was just you know a cross that came in the box and it just hit hit Longley's hands. So that's, that's what I was trying to refer to. But yeah, again, but I had the faith that uh, Stegen was going to make the save. <laughs> 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 I, I definitely thought he was going to make the save, but uh, Canals did really well to, to to finish that PK and they were up one nothing. And Brian, I was really nervous because not only they score super early, especially, you know, just on basically their second attack, essentially, I was really worried to see how Barca was going to
1: respond. Yes, definitely. That was something that was on my mind as well. But even up to that point in those opening minutes, you know, Betis were really heavily pressuring Barcelona's defense and and like you said, that was a fluky moment when Longley put it, you know, had his arm out and it the ball hit it. But overall, I felt like there was a lot of pressure on the defense and they could have scored without getting a penalty.
0: Exactly. I mean, this goes back to the same thing. So, do you want more midfielders to help out with that pressure because you know, they pressured us all game and we had some problems getting out of it. You know, there were some times where we did well, but then there were some other times where Ter Stegen had to clear it to try to get to Griezmann. And again, this is the pick your poison, you know, so if we have five midfielders, then they're not going to press us as high, but then we're not able to score as many goals and have that output. So it's kind of this thing. Again, I would rather have the midfield flooded because I think it's just easier for us to retain possession and defensively we just have more numbers back there so i would rather do a three five whatever system but again the four three three we still get exposed on these counters and busquets had a yellow you know we get uh, um titi on an island and it just continues with this thing so yeah we still have to figure out a way to break this press
1: yeah that would be maybe the next phase yeah. of, the, of the project hopefully <laughs> yeah. fingers crossed yeah. but yeah like you mentioned one complaint that we've had this season is Barca's lack of any response when they get scored on, especially when they get scored on early and on the road. But this time, they had an answer to that goal. With a cross-in from Messi, Frankie de Jong scored in the ninth minute to make it 1-1.
0: Yeah, I mean, this this from the beginning of the goal was his magic. De Jong started the press, basically the counter. He found Messi. They, they targeted Vidal. He was able to run behind them. But man, Brian, this technically is one of the sexiest goals we've ever seen because... The way he was able to hit it off his chest and just drop it in the bucket to his foot and then just fire it. I mean, he made it look. It didn't even touch s- the ground. Correct. He made it look so simple, so simple. And I, I watched it three times like on replay, you know, because anyone that's played knows, yeah, you dream, you dream of <laughs> dropping it down to your foot like that. But in reality, everyone knows it's firing off to the left, firing off to the right. And you're like, (laughs) I should have headed it, you know, this type of play. So, (laughs) again, DeJong is super talented. You just saw how technically gifted he is. And also the other thing, he's running onto that, which made it even harder to chest it perfectly down. So, again, just like we talked about, the automatic response to that within five minutes to make it back into a game. Because as we've seen all season, especially against really quality teams, we go down one on the road we set up shop and we don't do anything. We don't respond. And so that was really good
1: to see that. But then Betis go ahead again, this time in the 26th minute when Nabil Fekir scores after a bad giveaway by Arturo Vidal, making it two to one Betis. And this is what I talked about with the 4-3-3 system. You know, we just have
0: these major gaps when something this like this happens, you know, Vidal, you know, as we talked about, he has qualities of a football player with intensity He's direct, you know, he's physical. But on the other side, he's just not the best technical midfielder player, you know. And on this play, he just had to make a simple turn and he just gave it up. And then on top of that, it just led to this counter where Untiti was left in no man's land. And everyone on Twitter was a defensive expert on this play. Everyone saying, oh, he should have pushed up. But anyone that's defended knows, especially with these world-class players... If he pushes up, he's going around him, right? That's just, that's the thing. And so Untiti was caught in between. So more importantly, there has to be more defensive responsibility and response. And on this play, Semedo was kind of just jogging back to his position. And, and that's something was, we've seen from Semedo before. Exactly. Like if he gets on his horse to get – I mean if he gets on his horse and chases down the play, then maybe Fekir has to drag it back feeling the pressure of Semedo. You watch the replay – Samato is jogging back Umtiti is caught in between, and if anyone is defended in a game, they know you know like it's just a really hard decision and so Umtiti wanted to give the space so that he can give Terstegan the lane to see, but it was just a really nice finish by Fakir and you just have to credit him that he's a professional football player man. he can make these goals, you
1: know, yeah, and he's he's a good professional football yeah, player yeah. in fact I think he's he's improving because the last couple of times I've seen Fekir play. I thought, oh yeah, he's good, but in this game he was, maybe he was just having a particularly good day, but man, he was on fire for Betty's. No, he's good, and I like his attitude. He's a bulldog, you know. He just kind of
0: doesn't take you know crap from anybody, and he's really direct. And he had a, some good opportunities today, and there was a play in the corner where he did some some razzle-dazzle in the corner where he got away from Semedo and so forth. So he definitely has the talent, and he's definitely trending up, and he's he's a good player to watch for sure.
1: Yeah, I wonder what his buyout clause is. <laughs> Maybe we can yeah. to replace Dembele. Yeah. But Barcelona responded before the halftime whistle blew. It was the 45th plus three minutes, so essentially the last minute of the first half. Busquets scores... On a free kick with the ball coming in from Messi to make it two-two at halftime.
0: Again, this is Messi's second assist of the game. I mean, he had, he eventually had a hat trick tonight of assists. Everyone is complaining about Messi's shooting woes. Apparently, mm. it's like everyone needs to calm down. Like <laughs> he, scoring goals is really difficult, okay? Especially in the professional level. Yeah, he hasn't scored these goals, but you know he's going to come around and he contributed in a different way. Again, Brian, this is why I want us to do more. Headers into the box because we have this identity that we're not good enough in the air. Mm. And we scored two headers tonight, you know, and I, even on set plays where the defense was defending us properly, you know. And imagine on a counter, Brian, if we do a cross, there's chaos. And you don't have to be the tallest player, it's just about positioning and winning the ball and anticipating. And what Messi does so well is placing the ball perfectly on these dead balls. And again, you noticed it too last week or two weeks ago about Longley getting more targets and obviously Busquets on this one. And Busquets just did a really nice job to fight for the ball,
1: get a nice angle on it, and the keeper was beat. Yeah, because, you know, prior to joining Barcelona, for example, Longley, let's say, he's a tall guy. That was probably very much a part of his game, Mm -hmm. was being a target man on free kicks and corner kicks to try and get that headed goal. He comes to Barcelona, and that's not really so much the style. But then Setien arrives, and he's like, "Yo, no! Remember that thing you used to do at other teams, like at Sevilla? Do that." (laughs) Yeah, and again, I
0: was I was talking about this on Twitter was that, you know, if we're going to lose the ball in the final third by a bad cross on the ground, I would rather take a chance in the air with a header because there's just going to be more chaos, and I just want goals, you know. And I told you, Brian, chaos, especially at the end of matches, is so difficult to control and defend. Is heading. Right. That's why you do it. That's why you just throw it up there, especially like when Jordi Alba came in. He had two bad passes again in the center where all he had to do was maybe flick it up in the air. And someone told me, how many header goals did uh, Griezmann have this year? And I'm going, that's the point. This is the (laughs) point. You know, (laughs) Griezmann is not the tallest player. But I know one thing when I was watching him in Atlético, he fights in the air. Yeah. It's an Atlético DNA thing. And and he's got vertical. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. But it, you don't have to be the tallest. It's just winning position and anticipating where the ball is. So I always am looking for this varied attack. But again, we were able to take advantage of these set plays in this game today. And you could just see, you know, we were able to do that.
1: Yeah. The second half had Barcelona with much more of the ball. Betis pressuring still. But the way I saw it in the second half, they were pressuring for a slightly different purpose. It was a more of a defensive tactic. And offensively, mainly looking for the chance to counter.
0: Yeah, you hit it right on. I mean, that's what they did. And again, you know, that's the book forever and ever under since Pep, right? Is that you're not going to have the ball, so you're going to have to take your chances on counters. So how are you going to get those counters on turnovers, basically? And so that's what they did. They tried to pressure the midfield even more. They did get some more opportunities. And we were able to hold on for dear life at times, <laughs> uh, defending. You have three opportunities in a match how good are you to score on two of them or one of them? And luckily, the other forward for Betis wasn't that good tonight, and we were able to keep basically a clean sheet in the second half.
1: Now, Setien, he did make two changes in the 57th minute, and those were the only two changes he made. He put Alba and Arthur on for Furpo and Vidal. What did you think of the timing and the changes?
0: Yeah, I would have kept I would have kept uh, Firpo in there. I think he was having a good game today. I think his speed right now is just better than Alba's. So especially when we were going back and forth, I don't think he was a liability per se and Alba didn't really bring anything to the match for me. So again, I just would have rather had Furpo play out even more minutes and they may bring Alba for the last 10. And, you know, Vidal, whatever, the sub didn't really affect me either way because, <laughs> again, he had some bad turnovers tonight and that directly related to goal-scoring opportunities and obviously to one goal. So
1: Right, whereas again, Arthur
0: is going to possess the ball much better. Exactly, more, more hypothetically, be. right? Exactly. So, you know, I'm always more of a fan of Artur just because of that ability for him to do that and to keep possession, but keeping possession smartly.
1: Real quick, back to the Firpo thing, keep in mind that they were tied at two when this change happened. And if Verpo, he hasn't, you know, he was having a good game, but he also wasn't really helping to create any threats for scoring. And it's an unknown, but you can at least usually assume that Alba will help with that. He didn't tonight, though. He didn't tonight, <laughs> but he yeah, could I have. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, just, I just think right now, you
0: know, since, you know, last year, Alba has been trending down, you know, declining down. His work rate isn't as high as much. His offensive output with assists and so forth is still the same move. And I would rather just give Firpo that time right now because I think physically he's a lot stronger, faster than Alba at this moment. And I just think we could have used that a little bit more to just solidify that left side. Now, I'm not saying Alba had a bad game by
1: any means, but he just was like a non-factor. He just came in and you didn't notice him at all. All right. So let's argue. We have something that we disagree on. Okay. Uh, So to me, Umtiti looks like he's struggling a lot. He was he was on the deck for a bit in the 63rd minute after taking a knock, but he was looking hobbled as early as the beginning of the second half. He just looked like he was a little bit slow, um, not feeling good in his legs. Maybe it, you know that knee problem is is coming back. That's what it looked like to me. We've we've already discussed this, and so I know that you disagree. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Counterpoint. So the
0: first thing I just think his gait is just off. It's going to be off for a long time. So. He's always going to be hobbling. You know, he's just going to look like the, the veteran player walking around with bad knees, essentially. But take a, take away the goal against Fakir. Just take away that moment. He was never beat one on one v one tonight. He was dominant in the air. And most people are arguing the same thing that you're saying. They're saying that he's struggling back there. He doesn't deserve to be on the first team. He is the least of our problems right now. <laughs> the, the least, right? <laughs> one of the least the problem is that it continues to go through it's it's not defending when we have eight people in the box it's defending on counters which is the most difficult thing to do now we again when yeah, we when had 2v2 pe- 3v2 exactly exactly and you're going backwards yeah with 30 yards of space behind you okay so this is the thing is that you know as we talked about when we first started the podcast when OTT came on the team how brilliant he was and how amazing he was but also that wasn't a four back system when we had a better rhythm with the midfield and we weren't as exposed as much. So maybe he only had maybe two or three counters in a match. Just in the second half, they had four counters, you know? Yeah. So he's, he's getting more of these opportunities. But to me, he's not allowing these goals. And yes, I wish he was faster. I wish maybe he was back to the old form that he was, obviously. But I think it's more of a debate about which formation that we're going to play with if we're going to play with the 4-3-3 you're just going to expect more counters by
1: the other team because of the gaps yeah it just opens up so much more space yeah for, for those counters yeah now in the 72nd minute long lay got the go-ahead goal and there were a lot of fouls in this game on both sides there was a foul here where Messi threw the free kick into the box and long lay made good contact with his head floating it into goal to make it 3-2 Barcelona
0: this is the love hate of Langley in tonight's match, you know? Right. This is the so, love. <laughs> this is the love, right? So he made a really great, uh, attack on the ball. Again, it's, you don't have to be the tallest, right? And the way Messi placed it, it's basically like a corner kick, but from a different angle. And again, you can just, you just see the chaos that happens. It's so difficult to defend at this level headers, let alone when you play wreck. You know, that's always a hard thing too. You know, even when you're playing corner kicks, right? Oh, yeah. Let alone these professionals that can just diamond up like Messi did. But again, it was a really nice finish. He beat the keeper to the left corner and it was just a really nice, nice header. Again, as I, and I, and it was so funny because right before this play, Brian, I tweeted, I said, Alba, please just cross the ball in the, in the box. And <laughs> this only it's response is like, how many headers do we have? And then we score this header and I just go, header, goal period thanks <laughs> yes
1: uh twitter the home of great discourse <laughs> yes <laughs> well so a few minutes later this is where the the hate side of the love-hate relationship with long lay came through uh but first it began actually on the betty side where fecker earned himself a second yellow for dissent, and then betty's were without their biggest threat down to 10 men with 15 minutes remaining in the match but moments later long lay gets a second yellow he gets sent off, and now the sides are even. Again, this is this is
0: one of my biggest pet peeves in professional football. Is let that, it go, man. Just yeah, let loose. I know. It's just the fouling when you don't need to foul, right? Yeah. So, like, in this play, Longley, he's chasing down the guy, but the guy, all he had to do was just run with him because someone was coming on the other side, you know? Like, it's not 1v1 going down on a, one, you know, against Ter Stegen, essentially. It wasn't even that moment. And it's such a silly foul because he, he had a yellow before, so you just have to be more cautious. And again, Busquets did this too with another bad foul. De Jong did it as well. So every, Vidal did it as well too. Sure. It's these really bad fouls where there's no – I know they say professional foul, but I just hate it because in this moment, you just have to run with the player. And it's, I understand like if it's in the last third and they're about to score, then you pull the person down. Get it. I'm I'm on board with that. But in the midfield, at midfield stripe, like pulling someone down because they may beat you 1v1? No. Just run with him. You have support on the defense. And again, we continue to do this. And, you know, Longley put us down a man, essentially. And you saw we had how many back and forth were there for the last 10 minutes. <laughs>
1: yeah. There was also a very clear profes- professional foul by Sergio Roberto mm-hmm. when he pulled Fakir down. Not down, but he pulled him enough to get himself that yellow card. And it was near the halfway line. He might have been able to run with him, but clearly he didn't think he could have. I think with his was more like the challenge of that, you know, was more. I'm always
0: talking about like if you are chasing someone down or this type of play and you pull them down. Obviously, in the run of the game, things happen. You're physical. I get it. But at the same time, when you're running with someone, you feel the pressure. When someone's running alongside with you, then all of a sudden you have to be really careful with the ball not to lose it. And I know these guys are professional, but still they still make mistakes. And all you have to do is just run with them. You don't have to give them that extra you know, moment where
1: they just get a dead ball and a score an opportunity on a long free kick. Honestly, watching the game wouldn't be any fun if people didn't make mistakes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that would just be like if you were playing FIFA and everyone were at optimal yeah, skill yeah. level at all times. That's no fun. That's no fun. Yeah. No, the, the, the human frailty is part of it. Yeah. But so in the closing minutes, which were very tense, I kept believing that Barcelona would score again. And I liked that feeling. I was also worried that Betis might score again, (laughs) but but at least I felt like I think, you know, Barcelona are knocking on the door. I think I really believe they could get through. They didn't, but I really believe that they could. That was the important thing to me. The referee did miss a penalty call. As we saw it on replay, it seemed pretty blatant when Mark Bartra held Messi in the box in the 93rd minute, but the referee just missed that one entirely. Didn't even review it. You know why he missed it? He wasn't even in the
0: play. <laughs> he was so far away, you know? Yeah. And, again, this this referee was atrocious tonight. I mean, he had really no control of the match. He let things get too physical when they didn't have to. And it was just, you know, his point of view was <laughs> just seemed to be always wrong. It didn't matter if it was a call for us or a call for them. It was just always wrong. Again, it should have been a penalty. But, again, Brian, it goes to the same thing. Shoot the glass. <laughs> like... How many – why do we have to give the ball every time to Messi? Like Sergio Roberto had a chance in the box and he passed it back. He was literally six yards away from the goal. You can't get any closer, right? Just shoot the ball. Like you don't know what's going to happen. Like yeah. close your eyes and shoot yeah. <laughs> as hard as you can. And then on these counterattacks, like Messi's going through the middle. And so, I remember I think it was Arthur. Arturo was on the top of the box and Messi was coming in and all he had to do was shoot it. But no, he had to give it back to Messi and then we lose the ball just shoot the glass yeah like, we got too many on, guys man.
1: who are who are averse to shooting it's like a plague yeah <laughs> you know and i don't know if it's that they don't want to shoot because they don't feel confident in their abilities to finish or that they're just trying to defer to Messi too much but either way it just take the shot yeah just take the shot and
0: i do, i feel sometimes like they're trying to be like the harlem globetrotters too much where <laughs> it's like around the back you know passing and trying to like showboat and okay you do that once but I'm sorry. When I played, I was selfish. Like, I took shots when I wasn't supposed to, right? Because I wanted to score goals. And these players sometimes just need to be a little bit more selfish, especially, again, Brian, I cannot tell you this enough. When you're on top of the box, yeah, either as a left foot or the right foot and you have that angle, that is a really good scoring opportunity. And we need to take advantage of that, especially in this match. If we go up one more goal, it's game over. They don't even try. But the fact that we kept messing up on these counters, they came roaring right back. And which is just back and forth, and there's like, oh, you guys aren't going to score. They're not going to call a penalty. We're still in this match. Right. Now it's time for your closing thought on Sergio Roberto. Just invisible, man. I mean, as a midfielder, I would rather just have tour playing on there. I think he's going to bring more things to the game. And tonight, I just, I would rather just have him at right back and just, you know, rotate him with Semedo because I think he's he's a better right back player because he's attacking enough. That he doesn't screw up, but if his only responsibility is to always attack, then he can't do it. He can't provide it. And tonight was a perfect example for that. I think he's good enough to play against some mid tier lower teams, you know, as a starting midfielder. But I just, Brian, I just don't think he's consistent enough, especially with some of his passing, his movement. You know, there's doubts in the, you know, there was moments in the game where I was just like, is Roberto out there still? I, I, I haven't heard from him, you know, and. I know this is your boy, but I would yeah, just rather I, play him I, on I'm right back. I'm having
1: a hard time hearing this, but I think yeah. I,
0: I need it. I need it. Mean, I, I just would rather have him at right back. That's yeah. it. <laughs> you know, if he's going to play, put him at right back. Because imagine if our midfield was starting with our tour tonight. I think it brings a totally different dynamic, and we're even stronger in the midfield because we're not giving up lazy possessions and we're actually going forward a little bit more. So he is the Swiss Army knife. So, yes, that's, that's a really great quality to have. But you have to take a look at this match, make the change in the 60th minute, put him back in the right back, for example, and then
1: bring on our tour. I think that would really help us. All right. No, it's good. It's good for me to hear this. Thank you for that. You're welcome. We'll be back on Friday with another episode. Barca Talk is a production of Sound It Media written by Gabriel Quiroga and Brian Henderson, produced by Brian Henderson, social media, and promotion by Two Point Go. Until next time, Peace, Barca.
0: Sports Social Podcast Network.